0: presents Jet Morgan in Journey into Space. weeks since it left the moon, the Mars Space Fleet, led by Jet Morgan, has been coasting towards the Red Planet. When the great journey began, the fleet numbered nine ships. Our flagship, Discovery, and eight freighters. Now there are only eight ships in all. but freighter number seven, after being holed by a meteor and its crew killed, had to be abandoned, together with its precious cargo. Then there was the mystery of James Whittaker, construction engineer, who, according to reports received from Earth answered to the description of a man born 78 years ago who had mysteriously disappeared in 1924. And now, a new hazard-faced Jet Morgan and his crews. What was thought to be a meteor swarm lay directly in front of us. Hoping to climb over it, we changed course. But shortly afterwards, the radar showed that once more the object lay directly in the space fleet's path. The tricky maneuver was carried out again, but with the same startling result. Jet then decided there was nothing for us to do but plow straight through the swarm. After some discussion, we and Discovery agreed, and Jet called up the freighters to tell them of his intention. Well, how do you feel about it, Number Six?
1: I prefer to try further evasive action. Isn't that possible?
0: Look, I've just told you we can't spare the fuel.
1: The only course left open to us is to keep on. There can be no turning back. Whatever action you suggest, Captain Morgan, I'm sure it will be right.
0: I wish I could think so too, of it. thanks all the same.
1: Orders must be obeyed without question at all times.
0: Well, I don't think this is the time to discuss discipline. Now, Peterson, you going to be happy about this? I wouldn't call it happy, Jet, but I'm with you. Whatever you say goes, as so far as I'm concerned. Good. Number eight, how about you? As I'm the last to be consulted and everybody else has already agreed to plough on, all I can say is okay. But I don't like it, yet. I think the risk is greater than you care to admit. Well, that's settled. Now, listen carefully, all of you. As a safeguard, suits will be worn from now until further notice. In the unlikely event of your ship being holed, you'll be safe until you can transfer to another ship. If the discovery is hit and put out of action, command will be taken by number one. Well, that's all for now, but keep listening out. Keep your radios on at all times. How far are we off now, Doc? Less than an hour. No solid object visible on the televiewer? No, Jeff. Well, gentlemen, we'd better put on our suits. If it is a meteor swarm, anything might happen once we enter it. But it's a risk I'm convinced we have to take. If a large meteor hits us, well, we'll never know a thing about it. Now, stay at your post from now until further orders, and good luck. A nice, cheerful prospect, isn't it? Ah, never mind about that, Lemmy. Get over to the radio and open her up. Yes, Chet. Mitch? Yeah, keep watch on the televiewer. Right. Doc, I'll keep radar watch with you. Okay. Signals are coming in good and strong now. Still right smack in our path. Yes. It's uncanny. Anything to see yet, Mitch? No, not a thing. If it wasn't for the radar signals, I'd swear there's nothing between us and the distant stars. Absolutely nothing. Well, keep looking. To right.
1: Hello, flagship. Number eight calling. Come in, please.
0: Hello, number eight. Discovery call in. Hearing you. Blimey, reception from number eight ain't too good.
1: Report on radar. Watch the first ten minutes.
0: What was that, number eight? There's a lot of noise going on.
1: Will you repeat that, please? I can
0: hardly hear you. Aye, oh, It's not just him, then. Hello, number eight. Are you Receiving me.
1: Difficulty. Have radar report for first ten minutes of watch. Can you take it, please?
0: Heard you that time, mate. Yes, I'm ready to take it, if I hear it.
1: Signals increasing in strength every minute. Angle of reception of signal increasing proportionately. Estimate object now approximately 25,000 miles away. End of message.
0: Thank you, number eight.
1: Hey, Jet. Yes, Lemmy?
0: First reports from number eight, just received. Right, let's have them. And what a job I'd get them and all. How do you mean? Oh, reception was chronic. Weak? Oh, Jet, but there was such a lot of extraneous noise with it. Oh, is it the same with the rest of the ship? I don't know, but number six is due to call in about five minutes. I'll let you know then. All right, Lemmy, I'll get back to dock. Yes, mate. Uh, there's something haywire here, Jet. Eh? The screen keeps distorting as though there were a lot of static around. Oh. There, see? Yeah. I wonder if that has anything to do with Lemmy's interference. Oh, he's noticed something too? Hmm. Almost certainly the same thing. There. Yeah. Look at that. What hope have we of getting true readings under these conditions? Do what you can, Doc. It may be only temporary. Well, let's hope so. Yet reception is becoming impossible. It's pointless trying to calculate anything while these conditions last. What was our estimated distance from the object last time you were able to make a calculation? Oh, Forty-five minutes. So that was five minutes ago. Uh-huh. But it was only based on my own deductions. I've had no further check reports from the fleet. Well, I'll have a word with Lemmy. See what's happening. Hello, number six. Trying to contact you. Can you hear me? Now what's your trouble, Lemmy? Number six is five minutes late, but his report ten times I've tried to raise him, but I get no reply. Apart from that, everything in the garden's lovely. Do any of the other ships reply? Although, no, I haven't called them. We'll do it now. Yes, mate. Hello, Space Fleet. Flagship calling Space Fleet. Come in, please. Now. Listen to it. How can we be expected to hear Hello. anything, please? Hello. Quiet, Lemmy. Huh? Well, I heard something. Then you must have ears like a cat. Oh, aye, aye. Hello, flagship. Hello, number
1: six calling. Need to hear from emergency. That's
0: number six. Emergency. Come in, please. Emergency, he says. Hello, number six. Morgan here. Go ahead with your message. He's gone again. It's no good Jeff. With all that route going on, how can you expect those... Hello, flagship. Hello. For Pete's sake, answer me. Do you hear? Answer me! Timey, what's happening to him? Hello, number six. We can not hear you. What's the trouble? Over... There, he's gone again. He seemed pretty upset too, didn't he? Hello, number six flagship calling. I've lost you again. Come in, please, and send your message.
1: Hello, flagship. Number six calling. It's Whittaker.
0: Hello, Whittaker. What's the trouble over there?
1: Hello, Captain Morgan. There is no trouble. Everything is normal.
0: I What do you mean, everything is normal?
1: What was Peterson
0: panicking about? Then you're ten minutes late with your radar report.
1: I have the radar report already. Are you ready to take it? Not yet, I'm not. I want to speak to Peterson. Put him on. Radar report number one. ...signals powerful and indicate object now less than 20,000 miles distant. He's
0: reading a report, he didn't hear you. I don't want that report for the moment, you hear? I want to speak to Peterson. Now put him on at once.
1: It's the end of message. We'll keep listening, watch, and we'll call again in one hour as per routine.
0: He couldn't have heard you, Jet. He's still giving the radar report. I'm not so sure that he didn't.
1: Whitaker, I want to talk to Peterson immediately. He cannot talk to you. He
0: is asleep. Hey, Jet, that's exactly what he said about Rogers,
1: remember? Sleep? At a time like this? I cannot wake him must remain asleep. Orders must be
0: carried out without question of all time. Orders? What orders? I've given no orders about sleeping. Wake him up, you hear? He's not answering at all now. There's something fishy going on over there, Jet. Wherever like that geezer is, there's trouble. Well, even if he was answering, we'd never hear him with all that row going on. Hey, Jet, come over here, quick. Coming, Mitch. Now, keep trying, Lemmy. If you can't get number six yourself, ask one of the other ships to try and contact him. Yes, Jet, but with things as they are, I'll be lucky to get anybody. Hello, number six. Flagship calling. I've lost contact with you. Come in, please. Now, Mitch, what's your trouble? This televiewer is completely up the spout. It's just a waste of time sitting here staring at it. There hasn't been any kind of a picture since you went over to the radio. No, and that's about handy, too. There's some kind of static or interference upsetting everything. Well, it must be coming from that meteor swarm. How are things with the radar, Doc? Hopeless jed Haven't been able to take any kind of a reading for the last ten minutes. And we must be pretty close to that swarm by now. Well, then we'd better put our helmets on and keep them on until we pass through it and out the other side. If we come out the other side... How about the rest of the fleet? If we can't see them, how do we know they're still with us? Any luck yet, Lemmy? No, Jet, I can't waste anybody. Well, put your helmet on. You can hitch your personal radio to the main transmitter and still keep calling. Yes, Jet. Now, what makes you think the personal sets will work any better than the main radio? Nothing. I'm just hoping they will. Right, now put them on. Now call each of you in turn. I Jet. Jet. Well, that's me fixed. Hello, Mitch, can you hear me? Mitch, can you hear me? Hello, Lemmy, how about you? Doc, you there. Mitch, can you hear me now? Yes, Jet. But only now your helmet's touching mine. I'll beckon Doc and Lemmy over. If we all put our heads together, we can talk. Uh, All touching now? Yes, Jet. I can hear you. Now listen carefully. With the radios not functioning, we can't talk to one another except by this method. And for safety's sake, we'll have to keep our helmets on until we pass through that swarm. Doc, Mitch, you'll go back to the radar and televiewer and keep watch. And Lemmy, you keep calling the fleet every ten minutes. Now, is that all clear? Yes, Jeff. If any of you have anything to say, raise your hand and I'll come over. Right, uh, Jeff. Right, back to your post. All of you. Okay, Jeff. We must have entered the swarm, or whatever it was, half an hour later. By that time, most electronic equipment had gone completely dead. Very soon, it was not only the radio, radar, and televiewer circuits that were affected. The oxygen, fuel tank, air conditioning, humidity, air pressure, speed and navigational indicators, all were jumping wildly about, almost as if they were alive. This went on for nearly seven hours. It was like a bad dream, a nightmare. The only way we could communicate with one another was by talking with our helmets, touching, and picking up the sound vibrations. Of course, during this time, we couldn't contact freighter number six any more than we could any other ship, and so we were still no nearer solving the reason for Peterson's panicky call, nor for the almost rebellious tone of Whittaker's replies to Jet. In fact... Cut off completely as we were from all things outside the ship, we could not even be sure that the rest of the fleet was still with us. And we would not know until the electronic equipment ceased its eccentric behavior and returned to normal again. Not only were we in discovery a little world apart, but each man was himself enclosed in his own smaller world, confined within the narrow limits of his tightly fitting spacesuit. Hollow Spice Fleet! Flagship calling space fleet. If you can hear me. Demi! Come... Huh? Lemmy, I can hear you calling. Can you hear me? Yes, Jet. I can. Can you hear him, Mitch? You doc? Yeah, Jet. Me too. We must have made it. Pass through the swarm, you mean? Yes, Lemmy. And about time, too. It must have been thousands of miles deep. If our speed's been constant about two hundred thousand, I'd say and that. And now meet your ate us. We came through safely. Now don't speak too soon, Lemmy. There's the rest of the fleet to consider. Yes. And Lemmy, now that the personal radios are working, there's a good chance of your being able to contact them. Have a try, will you? Well, that's exactly what I was doing when you heard me. Then keep at it, keep at it. Uh, Can you call them without our hearing you? It'll be chaotic if we're all talking at once. I've already thought of that. I'll feed my personal radio straight into the ship's transmitter and you won't hear a thing. Good. Now, Mitch, how about the televiewer? Well, she's not showing any picture yet, but she's alive All right. I've got the snowstorm back. Well, as soon as you can get a picture, check up on the fleet. Make sure it's still with us. That's too right I will. Jet, when do you propose letting us remove these helmets? Well, not until everything in the ship is in good working order again. And we can be sure there's no further danger of being hit. Right. <laughs> quite clearly.
1: Are you and your ship okay? Yes, sir. Tilly viewer and radar still a bit haywire, but coming back to normal rapidly. All electronic equipment's been completely out of action the last few hours. Yeah,
0: ours has too. Have you been able to make contact with any of the other ships?
1: No, sir. Let me through before I have a chance.
0: Very well, number one. As soon as your radar's working again, see if you can calculate our distance from that swarm and the rate at which it's dropping behind, if it is. Very good, sir. How soon will we take our suits off? Uh, not until I tell you. As soon as you've anything to report, give us a call. That's all. Thank you, Discovery. All right, Lemmy. Now see if you can contact the rest of the fleet. Yes, Mike. Mitch, is that tell if you're working yet? It's getting better, but I still can't get a picture. Then keep at it. You will before long, I'm sure. How about you, Doc? Well, if there's anything in front of us, Jet, I believe I could detect it. You mean the radar's working now? Yes. Enough for me to get some sort of a signal. Good. Well, sweep the area astern. See if you find anything there. Sure. Yes, Jet. There you are. As strong as you like. That thing is behind us. We must have passed through it. Good, Doc think it was meteors, Jet? Uh, I wouldn't like to say for sure, but I doubt it. Uh, So do I. No ordinary meteor swarm would have upset the equipment like that, and the chances are that at least one of the ships would have been struck. Well, we can't be sure that they haven't yet, Doc. Uh, I don't think you need worry, Jet. I've got a hunch that everything is going to be all right. I hope so, Doc. I sincerely hope so. soon as you can let me get back to that radio keep trying number six yes jet hello number six flagship calling number six been trying to contact you come in please hey jet
1: come over here the teleview is clear and
0: about time too there fleet still in perfect formation we must have stuck together the whole time In fact, going through that swamp seems to have had no ill effects on us at all and
1: jake
0: hey, oh, wait a minute eh where's number six what she's not there but she must be. No, Jet, she isn't. Every other ship is, but there's no sign of Number Six. Fantastic. Unbelievable. After passing through a swarm of meteors, look what happened to Number Seven. That's no explanation, Lemmy. Even if Number Six had been hit, the wreckage would still be coasting along with us, and we'd see that. Then what's the answer? Well, she must be lagging behind. Too far behind for the televiewers to detect. Then I'd still be able to contact up our radio. But I've been calling up for two hours now. Jet, you don't think the disappearance of Number Six has anything to do with Whittaker being aborted, do eh? you? Well, it's been at the back of my mind. Yeah, there'd be nothing to stop him turning on the motor and leaving the formation behind. Mm, But why should he want to? Where could he go? Besides, he couldn't handle the ship alone, and Peterson would never consent to do anything as crazy as that. Uh, The only other explanation is that she was deflected from her course somehow, while we were passing through that swarm. But a force powerful enough to deflect one ship would be bound to affect the rest. Well, there just isn't any satisfactory explanation. Not that we can arrive at, anyway. You mean we just write her off as lost ship... Cargo and crew? Yes, Mitch. If we ever see her again, I'll be very surprised. Well, there's one good thing about all this. We don't have to worry about Whittaker anymore. And if you ask me, that's a definite advantage. He was beginning to give me the creeps. And how about Peterson, Lemmy? Oh, yes. Yeah, there's Peterson in there. All we can hope is that number six is still intact. If it is, they'll be safe for a couple of years at least. And in that time, they could find their way to Mars, or even back to the moon, maybe. I hope you're right, Doc. I didn't really mean it when I said I was glad to be rid of Whittaker. I'm sure you didn't, Lemmy. I forgot he had Peterson with him. Well, let me get back to that radio. Call up Control. Yes, Jet. Well, Mitch, Doc, if we go on at this rate, by the time we get to Mars, we'll have no fleet at all. Hello, Control. The loss of number seven. Wait, we've just sheer bad control. luck, Jet. We wouldn't lose another ship by meteor collision in a hundred years. But what are our chances of losing them the way we lost number six? If we knew how we lost her, Doc, I'd tell you. Well, unless we find her again, we'll never know what happened. No. we'll never clear up that Whittaker business either. And that's something I'd like to get to the bottom of. Uh, His having been born in 1893, you mean? Yes, yes. And the weird effect he had on the crews of whatever ship he happened to be in. Uh, There was something very odd about him. Well, maybe by now Control will have solved the mystery and have a rational explanation for everything. Yeah, there's no point in my trying to call up Control. It's a complete waste of time. What are you talking about? The radio's working, isn't it? Yes, Jet. There's no more interference, is there? No, Jet. Then get back to it once and get Control. I'm sorry, Jet, but I'm afraid you're still talking through your helmet. Look, come to the point, Lemmy. All right, that meteor swarm, ionized gas or whatever it was we came through. Well? While we were in it, it completely ruined any kind of intership communication, didn't it? It's not exactly news which means that it formed a block to all electromagnetic waves. They must have done. Well, that gas now lies between us and Earth. If no radio wave can penetrate it, then Earth can't receive us, nor can we receive them. What? Well, can we? No, of course we can't. That cloud cuts us off from home completely, at least until the Earth has moved sufficiently in our orbit to be cleared of it. And how long will that take? Oh, at a rough guess, I'd say two months. You mean we'll be out of touch with control all that time? Looks that way, Doc. Hmm. They'll give us up for lost. The last message we sent them was that we were about to enter a supposed meteor swarm. Well, gentlemen, this loss of contact with base, while serious enough, needn't be fatal. They won't give up trying to contact us for weeks, months, in fact. And we should be talking to them again long before we reach Mars. Meanwhile, let's keep going. We'll have a lot more work to do now we're on our own, particularly in the navigational field, but we'll get by. Then we'd better start right away. The first thing is to work out the necessary increase in speed to make up for the time we lost taking evasive action. Yes, Mitch. Uh, get back to the radar, will you, Doc? Sure. And let me call up the fleet. Have them take bearings on the sun, the earth, and Mars and report their findings as soon as possible. Yes, mate. Mitch, you and I better get to work on the navigational tables. Yeah. Well, get started, all of you. As soon as we've worked out our position and velocity, we can eat. And about time and, oh, I'm famished. And so now two ships had gone, together with their crews and cargo. Meanwhile, the rest of the fleet sped on its way. By now, Mitch and Jet had checked our course and position and found it to be correct. We could expect to arrive above the surface of the red planet at the appointed time, always supposing, of course, that some other mishap didn't delay us. By now, the sun was only about four-fifths of the size it appears from Earth, but because of the clear viewing conditions out in space, was a much more beautiful object. It hung in the sky a great, gleaming blue-white disk, surrounded by its corona. As for the Earth, which lay to one side of the sun, it appeared bluish in color, with reddish-green patches indicating the land masses, and the whole being covered with irregular white cloud formations. And at both poles were the incredibly bright ice caps. To the naked eye, the Earth-Moon system looked like a huge double star, which grew and shrank as the moon encircled its parent Earth. But the most interesting and remarkable object in the whole heaven was Mars. As we observed through the small navigational telescope, it already appeared much larger than we'd ever seen it. Deep pink in color, the darker portions of its surface showing up sharply in olive green. Even at this distance, we could detect a few cloud masses floating in its atmosphere. And the dark, thin lines of the Canale were certainly no optical illusion. But whether they were dry or filled with water, as many people down on Earth believed, it was impossible to say. So we coasted on for another month. We had covered nearly 119 million miles since taking off from the moon. No contact with Earth had yet been made, nor could we hope to establish it for at least another two weeks. Life in our ship had settled down to routine. Two men on watch, one sleeping, and the fourth off duty, but standing by should he be needed. Hello, Doc. You still writing that book? Hello, Lemmy. Thought you were asleep. I woke up an hour ago. I haven't been able to sleep a week since. Must be the weird conditions we live under. <laughs> I seem to get along all right with half the sleep I needed back on Earth. Uh, it's the same with all of us, Lemmy. Even Mitch never sleeps for more than four hours at a time. Mm. How about a game? A chess you mean? Yes, Doc. I'll beat you just once before we get back home. I made up my mind to it. (laughs) You'd better learn the game first, Lemmy. But isn't that what I've been doing these last two weeks? (laughs) Then set up the board. I'll give you a rook and knight. Uh, Oh, that's very generous of you, Doc. I'll do the same for you one day. Which hand? Left. White. It would be. That gives you the advantage. Hardly makes up for the loss of two pieces. Well, I don't think you'll miss them all that much. Well, that, we'll see. It's a good thing that this is a metal board and that these men have all been fitted with magnetized boots. Or they go shoot it all over the cabin every time we touch well, them. You say that at the beginning of every game, Lemmy. Oh, do I? Well, you start, Doc. Aye, aye. The usual crafty move. A very common one. Shouldn't present any problem. Oh, it doesn't. It's the ones that follow to worry me. Now, I'll put this little fella There. A most unorthodox opening, Lenny. Foxy, aye. And there's my answer to it. Ah, ah then see what you make of uh, that. Check. Aye. Well, isn't it? Ah, wait a minute. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, something must have gone wrong with my plan of attack. I'll... Hello, Space uh, Fleet. Control call. I mean, what I should have Listen, done. Listen, uh, the radio. Control calling flagship discovery. The radio, it's control. Yeah. Trying Lemmy, Doc, did you hear that? It's Control. Of course, we heard so it. Let's get over to the radio. Quick. Hello, Control. Morgan calling. Hearing you loud and clear. Repeat loud and clear. Over. Well, there's a turn up for the book. I didn't expect to hear that beautiful Australian accent for another two weeks at least. Beautifully calls it. Lemmy, any accent from Control would sound beautiful at this moment even yours. Well, what do you mean by that? Oh, I don't know. Discovery. Control a... <laughs> calling. Have urgent message for you. When can you take it? Anytime you like. Uh, switch on the recorder, Lemmy. Recorder on.
1: Control to Discovery. Message will be transmitted in one minute. Stand by, please. Standing by.
0: Hey, wait a minute. Oh, what's up, Lemmy? He answered you pretty smart, didn't he? How do you mean? Well, the last time we had a message from Earth was a month ago. The time lag between calls then was ten seconds. Well... Oh, but now, the lag should be at least 20 seconds. But I don't come back this time in five. Are you sure? Of course I'm sure. The times I've spoken to Earth, I reckon I should notice a thing like that, shouldn't I? But if you're right, Lemmy, if the delay was that short, that would put the Earth about a quarter of the distance from us that it should be. Oh, that's impossible. Lemmy must have made a mistake. Well, we can soon see. Get them to call you again, Jet.
1: Hello, flagship. Are you ready to take the message? Uh,
0: sorry, Control. Didn't hear you. Will you repeat that? One second. Two. Three. Four.
1: Control to flagship. Aye. Repeat. Are you ready to take the message?
0: Demi's right. It was five seconds. Sorry, Control. Cannot take message at this moment. We'll call you again in a few minutes. What on earth is going on? The ship must have turned itself round. We're going back home. Oh, turn it up, Lemmy. We're heading for Mars. Correct course, correct position, just as we should be. Then how can you account for that message? There's only one explanation. That can't be control. What? Then who is it? Search me. I'm no clairvoyant. I'm just a radio operator. If it's not control... It sounds I mean. like them. They... Well, they must be fairly close to us. Somewhere within the region of half a million miles. And that's why they sound so strong and clear. We never receive Earth at that strength. Then who can it be? Oh, look, it must be control. The short delay must be due to some freakish way. The wave travels or, or something like that. Oh, you shall loaf. Mitch, do me a favor. How could that be? Lots of things can block a radio wave, but nothing can change it. Me. Call them up, Jet. Let's take the message at least. Here's Doc. We can argue about it afterwards. Uh, switch it on, Lemmy. Transmit, her On. Hello, Control. Morgan calling. Now ready to receive your message. Go ahead, please. One, two, three, four. Control to flagship. There. You see? Five seconds again. Here is your message, urgent. Control to flagship, Discovery. <laughs> been listening to episode five of Journey into Space, with Andrew Foles as Jet Morgan, David Kossoff as Lemmy, Guy kingsley Pointer as Doc, Bruce Beebe as Mitch, and with David Jacobs and Anthony Marriott. The orchestra was conducted by Van Phillips, who also composed the music. Journey into Space is written by Charles Chilton and produced by him in the London studios of the BBC.